0: Voters in Illinois and across the country are shattering records for advanced balloting this election year, but what, if anything, does that say about how the election will turn out? And what are the pros and cons of early voting? We'll talk about that with an elections expert from the University of Illinois on this edition of Capital Cast. Hello and welcome to Capital Cast, a regular podcast of Capital News Illinois. I'm Peter Hancock. As of Friday, October 23rd, with 11 days left before the November 3rd general election, the Illinois State Board of Elections was reporting that just over 1.8 million voters had already cast their ballots. Nationally, according to the nonpartisan U.S. election project at the University of Florida, more than 52 million Americans had already voted, meaning this could be the first election in U.S. history in which more people vote early than on Election Day. Normally, that would be seen as an indicator of extremely high interest in the election and higher than normal total voter turnout. But 2020 is also the year of the COVID-19 pandemic which clearly factors into people's decisions about how and when they vote. Most states, including Illinois, took special measures this year to make sure early voting was more accessible to help limit the spread of the coronavirus. So what are the advantages and disadvantages of early voting? And what should we read into all these numbers? I posed that question to Brian Gaines, a political science professor who specializes in election studies at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign.
1: I think we don't know. I'm willing to say I don't know what it means yet, and we're going to be looking closely at the final returns. If I have to guess right now, I'd say, uh, first of all, it was a success for, it was a deliberate effort to nudge people towards voting by mail, a little bit less so to vote early, but to reduce lines on election day um, to the state took an intermediate path. Some states just shifted to an all-mail election, uh, joining the handful that already did that. And more typical was just to make it a little bit easier to vote by mail, Illinois was kind of in that category, we can still vote early by mail uh, on election day in person. The big question that I think the answer is going to be no is are these a lot of people who wouldn't have voted otherwise, that are we seeing a surge of people who uh, otherwise might have sat it out? And so we'll see a big rise in turnout and the long-term um, history from other states is that that's unlikely. But before I to put all my chips in that bet and say it's definitely not going to be a surge in turnout, it's such a weird year that I think past precedent isn't going to help us in lots of ways. So, so I think it's not. It's mostly people who would have been voting on Election Day. They're going early instead. But um, if it turns out in the end that the turnout really is up, then I'll have to uh, go back and eat the... Eat those words and say, okay, it was actually more than that. It was getting in people who otherwise might not have voted.
0: Yeah. I mean, historically, high volume of early voting is kind of a barometer for voter interest in the election. Uh, It portends overall high turnout. Uh, This year, there is no precedent for a year like this. But it does seem like just from what I read and from the people I talk to, it is a pretty high interest election. It's a presidential year. Um, what are you sensing about that?
1: Yeah, so I think um, there are complete, there are a couple of competing forces here. That it's if there hadn't been a pandemic, uh, enthusiasm was running pretty high amongst opponents of the president. I mean, the impeachment, uh, really, the whole of Donald Trump's first term has seen a nonstop effort by people who didn't want him elected in the first place to do everything they can to get him out of office, thwart him, and now is the chance to vote him out of office. So I was expecting. Uh, enthusiastic opposition. I think um, enthusiastic support is, has been a little bit slower showing up. And the reason that Joe Biden's ahead in the polls is um, to some degree, um, people who were voting for Trump last time, not sure they're gonna stay with him this time. Um, But just that level of, when we talk about what predicts turnout, one of the factors that we like to talk about is enthusiasm. I think it's it's probably gonna end up being an election high in enthusiasm um, the offsetting that, of course, is that uh, even with this adjustments making it easier to vote by mail for a lot of voters, there's still going to be some number of voters who are afraid to get stuck in a crowd with people who aren't wearing masks, touching equipment that might not have been cleaned well. And so I think some people are going to be, maybe especially regular voters, the elderly are the most reliable voters. They're also the most at risk from the virus. So there might be people who we think of as very routine voters, the very sure bats, who end up. Either they didn't didn't want to vote by mail, or they weren't they weren't comfortable with it. But then they all, they're also worried about crowds, and they end up um, sitting it out. And that that's a very hard um, figure to sort of estimate. How many people who usually would have voted will stay away just because of worries about getting sick? Um, and you know, it's going to be it'll vary a lot by state. In some states that have shifted to an all mail system, uh, it's not in the decision of the individual to think well how worried am i about getting sick and in others it's going to be uh they have the options like illinois and some of the people who maybe are still thinking had been thinking i'm going to vote on election day didn't bother asking for a ballot to vote by mail as they watch the rising cases and even the increased uptick in the deaths maybe will change their mind and think actually i um i don't think it's worth the risk i'm not going to go
0: you have written about the pros and cons of what are called convenience voting. Uh, and that includes, I guess, vote by mail and in-person advanced voting. Uh, walk us through some of that. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of that kind of voting system?
1: The big advantage is uh, people have different preferences for terminology, Just convenience, or you know, some people would say convenience is not a strong enough term, it's access. It's people who really can't get to the polls on election day If you don't have a a no-excuse absentee option or the option to vote early, end up people who would have liked to vote, but for one reason or another just circumstantially can't make it. So you give them better access. Um, I I think that's fine, but it's not that different from saying it's just making voting easier, reducing costs, making it more convenient. That's a a clear benefit. Uh, For early voting, I think um, there aren't really very great attendant uh, costs to go with that benefit. One of them is that um, it's a little bit uh, who, who has easy access to early voting varies according to where they live. And so it can be true that you're making it easier to vote for, say, people in urban areas, but not much uh, easier for people in rural areas. So you can think of it as being a little bit, um, you want to use strong language discriminatory. If you use weaker language, it's just um, it's providing a benefit. But but unevenly get some people get more benefit than others with male voting and absentee voting. The more obvious cost is that you're um, giving up secrecy that a vote cast in a ballot is, if not literally 100% secret, especially in a period when you're when you can take a selfie and you can have, everybody has a phone with them all the time. that it has a camera in it, you can document how you vote if you really intent on doing so. But it's essentially a secret ballot, unless you vote to great efforts to undo the secrecy. And a vote ballot that you cast wherever you want to cast it, it's been mailed to you, you cast it at home, you cast it at work, sitting in Starbucks. Um, can be secret if you choose to make it secret but the inherent secrecy of the, the privacy of a booth is gone and that's led to a very noisy but not terribly fact-filled debate about whether there's a huge amount of fraud a tiny amount of fraud no fraud whatsoever uh, i think the easiest thing to say is it's easier to engage in some kinds of fraud when you when the ballot is not in a secure spot and it's also easier for certain errors to take place that aren't fraud at all it's just the ballot goes missing um, but we we don't have strong evidence that it's uh, it's rampant. Uh, there is clearly some there are some instances of fraud involving absentee voting, and the full extent of it we just don't know.
0: Well, and you anticipated my next question, which is that President Trump and others uh, have suggested that because of the widespread use of mail-in and advance balloting, uh, that this election is could be fraught with voter fraud and election fraud across the board. Um, where do, where do you fall on that? Uh, what What's your expectation?
1: I, you know, I would go along with it could be. It could be fraud with fraud. It could be that we see an increase. I would even say it's probably likely that there will be more fraud uh, by absentee voting because there will be more absentee voting. You could say there will be probably less fraud in in-person voting because there will be a little bit less in-person voting. Um, I don't at this point think we have anything like a smoking gun suggests that there there's widespread conspiracy um one of the points about absentee voting and fraud is when it's discovered it's often because of uh, sort of the clumsiness in the conspirators. so I was an expert witness in a case in two thousand in southern Illinois that had involved quite a lot of uh, purchasing of ballots and it, including absentee ballots but um, that was actually thwarted initially the police raided the uh, office found lots of absentee ballots that shouldn't have been there um, what made that an interesting and difficult case to resolve was uh, the ballots that the police seized were eventually mixed with the other ballots when it shouldn't have been. And then it made, it was impossible to do tabulation without the ballots that in the terminology of the time were called tainted. Um, So I think that um, there'll be a little bit more fraud this time. There might be a few very close races that uh, ultimately involve their allegations of fraud. and, And we have similar kind of litigation where it comes down to some tricky decisions about how good the evidence is um, how many ballots seem to have been involved is it likely to have been decisive um, but i think the the notion that um, absentee and male voting is always prone to a large measure, large degrees of fraud is uh, almost certainly an exaggeration which is i think it's much clearer safer to say there are probably small amounts of fraud we don't know how small when proponents say there's almost none it's negligible that's an exaggeration. When opponents say it's rampant, the whole system is, uh, the election is thrown completely into doubt, that's an exaggeration. Okay. The problem is there. it's very hard to monitor and there isn't anything like a true nationwide audit. Uh, if Warren Buffett and Bill Gates decided it was important to, enough to them to have an audit of uh, fraud and they threw two billion dollars at it, we could probably do a lot of things to try to get a really good estimate of how much takes place, but nobody has done that. Um, so when it's discovered, it's sort of discovered accidentally and incidentally, and it still leaves open this question that we don't really know how much takes place. And I should say, we don't really know have, have a great read on the degree of fraud in in-person voting either. It's possible to be uh, fraudulently voting in both, both manners.
0: One of the other issues that strikes me about mail-in voting is that it's more complicated. Uh, there are a lot of rules about how to do it, uh, and there's somewhat higher chance that your ballot will be rejected because of some technical issue. What are some potential pitfalls that you think Illinois voters in particular should be aware of if they're going to do a mail ballot?
1: Yeah, so I think um, Illinois is a good case where uh, we've had um, absentee ballots for a long time, but no excuse absentee for about 10 years. And we had early voting a little bit earlier than that. And it, it turned out to be more popular until this year people that wanted as an option other than election day voting were more likely to use early day, early voting. So still going to a polling place and voting in person, but doing it uh, prior to to the Tuesday after the first Monday. And uh, this year it's going to be a big shift. A lot of people voting by mail who haven't done so before. So um, it's, it is more complicated. You have to uh, submit the ballot and then there's some instructions on how to submit the envelope. Um, One of the points about the, uh, which legally might look like a, a major point, but I think it's almost unenforceable is the voter, him or herself is supposed to deposit the envelope into a mailbox or bring it to an election official, drop it into an official drop box unless he or she authorizes someone else. And is uh, the instructions to do so are on the envelope, but with people dropping ballots off at a drop box, they're not in most cases uh, guarded by an individual. There's no camera. So, if somebody just hands the envelope to someone and says, can you mail this for me, and that person isn't uh, authorized according to the instructions, it's almost never going to be detected. So where that looks like a barrier that might get a bunch of ballots disqualified. I think it's actually not in practice going to have much effect at all. Um, I dropped my wife's ballot off for her at the local public library drop box, and she authorized me dutifully, and then I went over and there was nobody in sight. So I could have been anybody dropping it off, and if I'd been a evil-minded person that could have thrown her ballot away, not deposited it, which is one of the reasons states have lots of rules about who's allowed to collect the ballots. When there's fraud, it's very often been a campaign operative, um, somebody organizing a picnic, collecting ballots for other people, promising to turn them in, and then selectively turning some in and not turning the others in. So, you know, that's a long-winded way of saying one of the rules in Illinois that maybe on paper looks like it's onerous is that you're if you're not going to turn your ballot in yourself you have to authorize someone else to do it explicitly. But I think it's rarely going to be enforced and I think it's unlikely if somebody walks up to a mailbox with hundreds of ballots to drop them off, even if somebody else notices this and films it, it's very hard to think of how you what's the enforcement action at that point once they're in the mail.
0: So Illinois is one of the states where when those ballots are received, they can be run through a tabulator immediately. Uh, in other states, the laws vary all over the board. Some states, you can't run them through a tabulator until after the polls close. Are we gonna know on election night who the winners are? And how we, sh- How do you think m- the media ought to handle that? If, if it's we not won't. clear?
1: Well, no, I, we won't for some races. So um, Illinois is is unusual in a couple of ways. One of them is we allow the ballots to come in late. And some states do that, but it's a minority. Let's say that as long as it's postmarked by Election Day, it can come in a few days late. I think Illinois may have the longest window for the ballots to show up. And so we will know how many ballots were requested and haven't yet shown up. Uh, I won't know that, but election officials will know that in each jurisdiction, basically the counties and select cities. And then they have to wait a few days for them to show up. And if they know that there are only a couple thousand outstanding and the margin is in the race is much larger than that, then the races, they can call it. It won't be a complete official result, but they'll basically know who's won. But in close races, and there there might be a few very close U.S. House races, and even the tax, uh, the constitutional amendment on the the flat tax might be very close. If there are enough ballots still outstanding, um, they're not going to be able to call election night. And... That's something people are pretty used to in the states that have had a lot of mail voting, Washington and California and Iowa, but it's not very common for Illinois. I think some people will be surprised to see very close races not called. Um, One of my concerns is then that's sort of a breeding ground for conspiracies, especially if your side is up, you're an opponent of the uh, constitutional amendment and it looks like it's going to fail and then late ballots come in and they're all in favor of it and passes. Uh, That's when people tend to think something was fishy happened. It was rigged in other states. They're allowed to count them early, and they don't allow ballots to to turn up late. So a big surge in mail voting shouldn't have much effect. It's just a matter of uh, doing the tabulation and then taking the the results from the mail ballots and adding that in. And if they've counted them early, it doesn't slow things down. Um, The reason not to let people count them in advance, I think, is pretty clear. There's a fear that the results leak. So uh, if the instructions for election officials are go ahead and count all those early votes as they come in, but don't tell anybody, um, it's the nature of, of politics and, and human interaction that somebody might still leak things out. And what we're trying to prevent, I think, is you know, good election administration would, would say it, it shouldn't be the case that some people know partial results at the time that they're voting. I know of the first 100,000 votes cast, the Democrat was uh, ahead and 60, got 60,000, the Republican got 40,000. Um, we would like to have everybody voting in the dark about how everybody else voted, except for polls and the polls we all know are not uh, the same thing as a real tabulation of real ballots.
0: Are we in for possibly another replay of the 2000 election, Bush versus Gore?
1: Yeah, I sure hope not. But that's the worst case scenario. The presidential election at this moment doesn't look like it's going to come down to the wire. And it's the one, however important Senate races are and constitutional amendments and gubernatorial elections in select states, the presidency is still the most important thing. And it's the one race where there's a very tight window on resolution that the president's term ends at the end of January, 2021, one way or another, you have to have a new president ready. Um, And so that means if there is a real mess, like in 2000, and it's unclear who won a state and in that state, it could be, I can imagine all kinds of different scenarios. It's because of unclear postmarks on ballots and the legal contest over whether ballots whose postmarks can't be read should be counted or not counted or uh, a large number of absentee ballots not having shown up in some discussion about whether they disappeared in the u.s mail and the u.s postal service is going to find them if they just give them enough time Um, if something like that happens and it's a gubernatorial race you can kind of let the courts play it out slowly Um, even if necessary you can imagine a state supreme court ruling a governor the old governor stays on or they the state has a Temporary acting governor, but we, we just have no mechanism for anything like that for the presidency So the president's election has to get resolved On time for the electoral college to vote. That means it's December If the electoral college to vote is delayed, it definitely has to be resolved by January So certainly a worst case scenario is a very close presidential election where there are multiple states with serious ambiguity about who won and uh, election lawyers uh, are the only the happiest people in the country because both parties throw all the money they have at election lawyers and you have very rapid litigation and maybe it goes to the Supreme Court again.
0: OK. Want to make any predictions?
1: Well, um, it's a it's it's a fool's errand to make predictions. But I, you know, I, I think that at this point I'll make two kinds of predictions. I, I think this most people regard Joe Biden is uh, likely to win, barring very late surprises. You know, there's a debate tonight. He has a horrendous debate. Um, that could help Trump uh, supporters of President Trump will remember that he was behind last time. And in fact, the betting markets, people uh, who put money on the instead of just telling pollsters how they're going to vote, actually put their money on the line. The betting markets were a little bit more positive for Hillary Clinton uh, four years ago than they now are for Joe Biden. So you could still imagine that um, Donald Trump could again, lose the popular vote, but win the all keep the all important electoral college vote, the pollsters sort of figured out what they did wrong in 2016 and they've tried to correct that and i think that's one reason to think there it's less likely there'll be many states where the polls were so far off this time but they're also sort of fighting the last battle pollsters fixed mostly what was wrong is they're waiting they weren't waiting the poll respondents the right way because more people without college degrees voted than they thought would vote so they'll, they won't make that mistake again, but they might be making a totally different mistake that no one's going to realize until after the result.
0: Well, and that's always been the tricky thing, is trying to model what the actual voting population is going to be, because you don't really know yeah. that until after it's over.
1: You might think, oh, it's going to be easier this year because so many people have already voted. We know who's already voted. We don't have to guess about them. But the big problem there is they might, it's probably not random. The people who vote early, if they're systematically different from people who leave it until the end and vote on election day... And having a whole lot of early voting doesn't actually give you make it easier to figure out who's really going to vote. It just makes it uh, it's, it's just a different problem, and not but a hard one, just like the usual one where you're just guessing based on past history and uh, what you know about demographics and age and those things that predict vote well.
0: That was Brian Gaines, political science professor at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, and that's all the time we have for this edition of Capital Cast. Capital Cast is a production of Capital News Illinois, a State House reporting project of the Illinois Press Foundation. Until next time, this is Peter Hancock saying thank you for listening.